You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Sheldon, uh, I'm still on no sleep. I made a fatal mistake at about 4.30 in the morning, deciding to sign up for TikTok uh, with Two and Out. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, I got to I gotta kind of massage this algorithm so I can see what I want to see. And uh, I follow all the CFL teams. I, I did make a post of a clip from our last episode. And then I just go down this. Ra- it, yeah, it's addicting. So my right now, my al- algorithm is half CFL half crazy food. So like <laughs> seeing these delectable pasta dishes or, you know, giant stacks of waffles with maple syrup dripping down. There. And that's exactly what I want to look at at four 30 in the morning. So uh, <laughs> if I'm a bit rusty, I apologize, brother. <laughs> well, that's good. My, I was just scrolling TikTok while I was waiting for you to get ready. And my algorithm right now is cat videos <laughs> And, uh, like, but, but specific, it's like a specific cat that looks like my cat Simba because I really? keep sending him to town. Like, so I assume that's why I'm getting all the videos. It's so cute. Is it like uh, one cat or just one? all these cats? No, no. It's similar. Just all, all these. Yeah. Just an orange cat. Like just, I'm a sucker for cat videos. I'm actually really impressed by this algorithm. And every it's now and then you might see a cat tail. Cause I have a cat with Is me. Is that a on. tail? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, I gotta bring up this story. The Players Association of the CFL concerned that the Labor Day Classic between the Elks and the Stampeders went forward. Um, Brian Ramsey, the executive director of the PA, told CBC News that the CFL had broken the agreement it made with the PA to halt any on-field activities when air quality ratings are above seven. Now, I I had heard something similar during the Rough Rider Bomber game, or at least beforehand, and the air quality, I think, turned out being better, at least at the stadium, than they thought it would be earlier in the day. And uh, I think they had mentioned that they've got these instruments monitoring air quality at the stadium um and and the air quality seemed to be better there now i went to calgary and edmonton and it was a lot more hazy i did think there was maybe some fog lingering in the air as well because at least to my nose it was not as strong as even Sunday morning in Saskatoon or Lloyd Minster. Yeah, I put on a lot of miles this past weekend, but I loaded up on Benadryl and uh, went to McMahon Stadium and it seemed to get me through <laughs> uh, Monday afternoon. Yeah. But this is definitely an interesting story. And I think the air quality probably kept quite a few fans away from McMahon Stadium that day. Well, yeah, but even in like Regina, like, when before you got to town, it was still pretty hazy, and like, you could barely see the downtown street or the downtown uh, buildings. But I texted a friend in the middle of the game uh, saying, "How I'm, this is awesome that it cleared." And he's like, "It's still a seven. Oh, geez. So, yeah, it definitely looked a lot hazier to the to the the viewer at home. I know I wasn't there in Calgary there, but yeah, it it's very interesting if the PA told the teams to get off and they didn't like yeah he's saying that they demanded that players be yeah. removed from the field adding obviously that it's very upsetting for our membership they were confused as to why the game was not stopped the CFLPAs reached out to the occupational health and safety center in Alberta and they plan to meet with the commissioner of the CFL uh, Thursday which is uh, the day that this is released man Quite the interesting uh, story coming out of that Labor Day game. Now, 
We are here, week 14 of the CFL season. Already, Winnipeg and Toronto can clinch playoff berths with victories this week. But Friday night football is the Ottawa Red Blacks being three-point favorites against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, where the over-under is 47 and a half. Now, this is another one of those wrinkles of the schedule, Sheldon, where the Ticats get one full practice playing on Monday against the team coming off the bye. Like, yeah, I realize that we're scared about going against the big bad NFL on Sunday. I think it's dumb that Sunday games stop. I, I really do. I don't know if that would have helped the scheduling situation in this case. But either way, tough situation for the Ticats here in a game that has massive playoff implications. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but first, let's pour one out for the Thursday night games because yeah. I, I'm in the minority of people who actually really like Thursday night games. I feel like a, a Thursday night game gets me ready for Friday and then gets me ready for the weekend. But yeah, I know when you had Randy on, he said that their aim is to get everyone just a little bit upset. But like, this is... <laughs> It's not just being upset. Like, it's happened. It's just, it's not. You talk I love about how it's safety. not. It's. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's how, that's how much it is. Like. It seems like this like we, happens like once a week. Really? Yeah. And, and it, it, okay, let's say it's fine that it's happening to all the teams equally, but that's not fine because if you're going to preach and preach and preach that player safety is paramount, this is not player safety. You're not giving the teams the ample time to rest, recover and be able to practice to make sure that their bodies are right for the game. So they got to take a hard look in the mirror because they need to fix this for next year. A team coming off a bye can't face a team with one practice. That's, terrible you'd think that with the thursday games being gone that this wouldn't happen but here we are week uh, 14 of the season there was some drama surrounding the the tiger cats i I guess it's been extinguished with duke williams sending out a a post on x uh, on wednesday saying yeah it's been good hamilton but i'm out and it has now been deleted but from what we gather, he's been dealing with some uh, nicked up ribs for a few weeks. And I think the Ticats wanted to sit him this week against the Red Blacks. And I, I don't know if he didn't take it well or or what happened here. But Orlando Steinauer saying that Duke Williams is still with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But sometimes where... There's smoke, there's fire. I think we kind of expected a lot more drama from the Tiger Cats this season with all the big personalities that have joined the organization in the offseason. But as the losses pile up and the pressure becomes more and more fierce in a Grey Cup year at Tim Hortons Field, I don't know, maybe there's some cracks in the shield of the Tiger Cats right now. Oh, for sure. Like I, let's be honest. It's been a rough couple of years for Duke Williams. Like he he didn't play to the way that he was advertised in Saskatchewan, and you know had some disciplinary incidents. Let's say uh, I think he was thinking the fresh start, and there's there's really been not a lot good in Hamilton. So I'm not shocked. I know in the group chat I theorized that maybe this was that cut down. And he was just going to be a casualty of that, but I, I think that was last week. So I, I think I don't it's know. ten I, games, I believe. So. Ten, okay. So should be over with then, I guess. Um, but it, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's got to be tough being a Hamilton fan. I know that it was tough being a Ryder fan last year, but we were six and five last year at this time, the same record as we have right now. So. It, Things are looking a lot more bleak in Hamilton than it was last year for, for Ryder fans. And I know uh, on Labor Day, they set an all-time attendance record uh, at Tim Hortons Field for a regular season game. But 
when you haven't won the Grey Cup since 1999, and I'm not making fun, I'm not poking fun here, it's it's like this pressure is going to, I think, restart every single year. And it's going to be the uh, elephant in the room going forward until the Ticats win the big game in November on whatever Sunday it happens in November. And the same happened with uh, Winnipeg, too, I think. It was just that pressure yeah. over and over. That was over fun, though. <laughs> Until they got it done in uh, 2019. The the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, looks like they've made the most of the bye week. Some guys getting healthy here. Linebacker Frankie Griffin, safety Justin Howell, receiver Nate Bahar, all set to return this week. But <laughs> Nate Bahar, <laughs> with the interview of the century... Oh. He <laughs> look if the Ticats got one practice to work off of, maybe they're just going to be sitting in the hot tub reading and listening to this interview over and over again to get them fired up for this game on Friday night. But uh, he wasn't shy about his dislike for the Ticats. He said it's a team that makes a lot of noise. I think it's pretty well documented how we feel about these guys and the way they approach playing football defensively as a unit. He elaborated, Sheldon. They like to take shots when people aren't looking. It's not a way I'd feel proud to play, and I'd say that to their face. They try to put their hands up my throat, throat punching, spit in in people's faces. I don't know what the hell is going on. It's bizarre. Strong words from Nate Bahar. I'm a fan of Nate. I think we need more interviews like this in the CFL to get these rivalries all fired up. But then again, things happen like they did Sunday in Regina, and we always think, why can't we all get along? But (laughs) (laughs) those Ticat defenders, Jameer Thurman, Simone Lawrence, Dylan Wynn, I think they're going to be looking number 80's way Friday night. Yeah, they're probably going to be like, you think we did that before? I'll show you now. But I don't know if... (laughs) I don't know if the, there's going to be extra eyes on those players now, though. Like, you don't know if the refs are, are reading this and then, but who knows? Like, it, I'll get my popcorn ready and I'm ready to it's, go. It's kind of similar, though, to Zach Kolaris kind of calling out the league not protecting quarterbacks, though, right? It is, but I think Zach is just entering his bitter old man stage. Of his <laughs> He's. <laughs> He's not holding anything back in his interviews. That's true. He doesn't have anything uh, to worry about. Yeah, it just seems like he's 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 kind of over it. And he's the but I I understand he's he's had some hits that you know are definitely yeah. more than yeah. questionable. That that Edmonton one probably should have been a penalty. Obviously, Pete should have been kicked out of the game for his headbutt. Uh, so I, I kind of understand why Zach's a little pissed off, but. Um, we've seen it happen where these guys complain and complain, and then they're not going to get the calls because they're, you know, complaining so much. So I don't know if it's going to work out in Zach's favor or not, but I'm excited to see what's going to happen in this, uh, this Ottawa Hamilton game though, for sure. Now, Zach, he calls out the league as a whole, like Bahar is calling out one team and, yeah. What if two or three years from now <laughs> he's wearing black and gold? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. well, it's like with Chris Edwards and 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 Duke being on the same team this year. Uh, all counts, it seems like they were able to squash it. But yeah, yeah, that, that happens. Like the Riders signed uh, what was what was his name Dwight Anderson back oh, in yeah, the day yeah, after and, years <laughs> of Calgary, yeah. <laughs> And we hated him, but man, did we love him as soon as we signed him. So, like, and I'm sure I, I know him and Dressler had a huge history before they played together. So, uh, and Darian, I think, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, yeah, but I, I, I think like it's that team first motto or mentality. Sorry, uh, like I think people understand once they're wearing the same jerseys, you squash a lot of that stuff. But, um, let's see what happens. Dude need Dwight forever, as he became affectionately known with me. Anyway, I, I think that's a great nickname. Dude need Dwight. I think I think Taj had a little bit more to do with that dude <laughs> than Dwight. But 
He's doing his best Seth Rollins I hear. <laughs> the Red Blacks have uh, also ruled running back Jackson Bennett out of this contest. So maybe uh, Devontae Williams is a nice option at running back here uh, for this one. Now, I actually, fantasy-wise, I see an opportunity here for the Red Blacks. The, or even the Ticats. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this one could have some passing fireworks in, in this oh. one. The Ticats have, they're the third worst pass defense, almost 273 yards a game. Ottawa, the worst, 325.8 passing yards given up a game. Now, Taylor Powell's improved. He's doesn't seem to be turning the ball over too much. And Tim White, over the past few weeks, quietly, he's racking up some yards. He's racking up some fantasy production. I think he's an intriguing yeah. pick, and this might turn out to be a good day for both offenses, I think. It could, but going off them not having as much rest as they should, Taylor Powell took a beating in that argument. Like, there was a couple times when he got rocked, and so he he's not going to have that irregular amount of time to recover, so... It'll be interesting to see, but he—I think he's going to be pissed off with the, <laughs> the hits he was taking. And like Ottawa's defense, they give up a lot of passing yards, but they also lead the league in takeaways. So uh, we'll have to see if that trend continues too. Now it's quite possible that a team just playing on Monday, then again on Friday, is not a hundred percent recovered, right? So. Do, Probable, I'd say. Yeah. Do, do they try – well, I don't know if anybody's 100% at this point of the year. Do, do yeah. they try to get the balls into different players' hands that might be a little bit more fresh? Kind of like uh, – I know Tyreek McAllister's returning kicks, but maybe you could get him more involved in the offense because James Butler might have been in a dozen car crashes just a few days prior. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you would think that would be a smart, smart play. Uh, but at the same time, you only have one practice to insert that stuff and to make sure that they're able to run it as they yeah. should in practice. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Scott Milanovich has up his sleeves for this because the O line is going to be tired. They don't have a bunch of new O line to play. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's a tall task, but for, Luckily for Hamilton, they're playing Ottawa. They're not they're not in the top third of the league, I would say. So at least it's not like they're coming off one day of practice and having to play the Argos. Well, I guess that would make sense to play the Argos. But coming off, you know, the Bombers off the bye or something like that. So better again, than it could be, I guess. If the Red Blacks win... It becomes a tie for third place with the tie cats. Both teams would be four and eight. And right now, the Red Blacks have not won a game inside their division. The only other team to not win a game inside their division is Edmonton. It would be massive for both teams to get that first win inside their division this weekend. It is a yep. triple header. On a Saturday, it starts with the Pure Later Tackle Hunger game in Toronto as the Montreal Alouettes are in town. Of course, the great, late great Chris Schultz, Grey Cup champion with the Argos, was a spokesperson for Pure Later Tackle Hunger. He was an absolute champion with that initiative. So if you're going to BMO Field on Saturday, bring those non-perishable food items, and I think the Grey Cup will be in attendance as well. It's always a cool thing with uh, the Tackle Hunger Games. Now, the Argos here are listed as 10.5-point favorites. The over-under is at 52. I wonder, like, if I had to pick an upset special, or at least to cover the spread... I might be leaning Alouettes here. The same thing. It's a short week for the Argos. And I, I realize that they went out and they took care of business quite handily uh, against the Ticats. But uh, I don't think it's smart to underestimate the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, if, if we talk about past defenses, surprisingly, the Argos are at eighth. They're right between 
the uh, Red Blacks and the Ticats, they're one of two teams to only be giving up over 300 yards passing a game. And Austin Mack only needs 29 yards to clear 1,000 on the season. He could be a 1,500-yard receiver in his rookie year in the CFL. It's going to be interesting to watch to see how the Argos are going to limit Austin Mack and if they don't limit him, touchdown tie. And, hey, K on Julian Grant has been limited in practice as well. I don't think the Alouettes are 10.5-point pushovers here. No, I, I, it's going to be a closer game for sure. Uh, but we we saw last week that Cody wasn't quite back yet either, I don't think. So um, it'll be interesting to see because – I, I just say both teams are kind of banged up going in there, given Toronto's lack of only getting one more practice than than the Tiger Cats. But, yeah, I, I still think Toronto's just they're, – they're a better team, obviously, than Montreal. So I, I still think Toronto wins. But you're right, Montreal could easily cover the spread, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Another big story, I think, for the Argos, and it's not going to get uh, as much traction, but extending offensive lineman Peter Nicastro, 24 years old, has been playing great for the Argos. They've locked up their QB long term. Now they've locked up, uh, you know, a stud Canadian offensive lineman long term. That is big for the Argos. Absolutely. It's always huge when you can lock up young talent on that O-line. And uh, they've look at the year that A.J. Oled has had, Andrew Harris. So obviously their O-line is, is looking pretty good. They're keeping Kelly upright for the most part. So you lock down a solid young member of your core, and that's huge. Look at the Riders. They lose Heenan. They, like, you know, like, you got to lock up those young guys. Now, hey, good point about bringing up the Argos uh, rushing game because at times the Alouettes have struggled against the run, and that might be what the Argos want to do here. Uh, grind the clock as much as they can, still hurting from Labor Day, get through this one against the Alouettes. The Owls have given up over 115 yards a game on the ground. Maybe it is A.J. Olette, Andrew Harris time to get through this game, but... I did say before, I like the Alouettes covering that spread. Of course, the Argos have the talent to cover that spread as well. And we've seen teams exploit the matchup with KB and Ento of the Alouettes in the past. He got exploited last week against the BC Lions. Who's going to be... In that matchup for the Argos this week, could it be a Devaris Daniels? Could it be a Tamonte Coxey? We'll see what happens. Uh, Devaris Daniels, to me, he's having one of his best seasons in a while. Maybe his best season as a Toronto Argonaut. So they do have the firepower to pull away from the Alouettes. The good news is, is that while the Owls haven't been able to turn as many threes into sevens as often as possible. It has been a problem with Jason Moss offenses in the past. Now they've Cody's been okay. Protecting the ball. That is key in every game, but Montreal protect the ball against the Argos because they're going to make you pay every single time. That is paramount for the Alouettes Saturday at BMO. 100%. Yeah. Couldn't, I have nothing to add there. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and where the Argos are undefeated on the season, and they are undefeated against that uh, East division so far. The Owls, by the way, 4-1 and one against the East. Ah, I think it's yeah. an intriguing that game Saturday uh, in Toronto, although I do have to wake up at 11 o'clock and man, <laughs> oh, you poor guy! If, if I'm gonna be on TikTok until seven a.m., it's not gonna go well, Sheldon. Yeah, well, I have to wake up at three or two thirty to get on the bus to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> so, 
Enjoy those extra hours, my friend. <laughs> That's wild. Are you going to sleep or how are you going to do? Well, is it a party bus? Is it licensed? Uh, it's not licensed, but I just keep it below <laughs> the windows. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've heard a rumor there may be hundred or so beers on board. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, like at least the last one we went, it kind of, it's kind of a quiet bus until you get to Brandon and that's when we stop to uh, have like breakfast or whatever. And then after that is kind of when it livens up and Janice will start giving out the jello shots and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's an early game. It's the last time I tried to stay awake so that I could sleep on the bus, and that was a terrible idea. So I'll probably watch SmackDown and then head to bed. <laughs> well, no, I won't watch the game too. As no, soon as the no game's Friday, over, I'll yeah, head I guess there is a Friday nighter, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'll head to bed and then see if we can sleep a little bit. But who knows? So with my real job at the radio station, I hosted a bus from Red Deer to Edmonton for Elks Stampeders a few years ago. I cannot have a beverage on a moving vehicle. I had one beer and it came up outside of Commonwealth Stadium. (laughs) Something brings back my days of uh, being a child on family road trips, getting motion sickness, and uh, on a big road trip back from North Dakota, vomiting in a parking lot in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, only to be told that the tunnel tours were sold out that day. So I <laughs> I do not do well sitting in the back seat, or at least I didn't as a kid. And if I have some adult beverages, it just all comes screaming back. Uh, back to the Alouettes, if we do look at their... Uh, Injury report, Landon Rice hasn't practiced this week. Raheem Wilson hasn't practiced. Kayon Julian Grant, I did mention, he's been limited. Reggie White Jr., limited as well with the knee injury. It would be big to get him back if he's mm-hmm. able to play. Greg Ellingson didn't practice on Wednesday with a knee issue. He played his first game of the year last week against the Lions. On the Argos side of things, at this point of the season, They look incredibly healthy, but we got to remember they're out of bye weeks until the semifinal week in the playoffs. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about that badge of bull, where you're headed. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, eight and a half point favorites over the Riders, over under at 48. And if I look quickly, uh, the Riders have not won the rematch since 2014. (laughs) <laughs> hell of the game though they're yeah they're they're going to be walking into a madhouse and inspired Winnipeg Blue Bombers team on Saturday I I, I think there are some Ryder fans that are always going to believe no matter what I just don't know if I see a path to victory this week if there is a path to victory it's a couple things it's Super Mario doing well, keeping the riders in good field position, and Jamal Morrow having success to try to take the crowd out of the game early. He only had the one big rush on Labor Day, but not a good average otherwise. <laughs> they need a rushing game going if they're going to steal a win out of IG Field, I think, Sheldon. You're not wrong, but I think... The past two games has shown that Jake can hit receivers and his receivers can get a ton of yak yards if they're given the chance. So it it does come down to the momentum and to taking the crowd out of it. But if they can get, they need to score a touchdown on the first drive. Like that's if, if we do not, if we go two and out on the first drive, I'll already know that we're not and it, it's silly to say that because there will be another 58 minutes left in the game. But when it, the IGF is the type of stadium that if you do not silence it, it becomes deafening in the snap of the fingers. And we've seen that Zach Claris can do that. 
we just saw last game. There was the Riders scored a bit, had a big drive, scored a touchdown. Zach, three plays, touchdown. Riders scored first in overtime. Zach, one play, touchdown. So they need to they need to score often. And but the thing is, Winnipeg has made mistakes in early games at home, but no teams have punished them for it. The Riders need to punish them for it. So I, I never it, like we were talking with Neely at Wayne's World before the before the the Labor Day Classic, and it, they're always like, "Yeah, we we think we're going to lose when we come to Regina." And and as a Rider fan, I think we're going to lose when we go to Winnipeg. It's, it's more about you know the the festivities, the camaraderie of the CFL fans. But when you haven't beat Winnipeg in the Labor Day Classic for so long. It, it does give you a little boost of confidence that anything's possible. And this season has been the anything is possible season. So do I think we're going to win? No. Do I think it's, it's the dumb and dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. That's my head right now. Like we have a chance. I think the bombers. <laughs> now the, the riders, I think maybe caught them off guard to start labor day. With the short kick, yeah. the the deep pass, they, they weren't exactly able to capitalize on that and turn it into points. But how do the riders come out with that same energy at IG Field? You know Winnipeg is going to come out with more energy than they had on Labor Day. If we do look at some of the injury issues that the riders are going to be dealing with here, uh, Mason Fine has been on the first field for the first time since his injury, but we know that Jake is going to get the start. Brandon Council is in at right tackle for Colin Kelly, who got hurt in the Labor Day game. Jaden Dolkey still not practicing, who also got hurt in the Labor Day game. Offensive lineman Philip Blake was geared up, mostly watching practice, so maybe he is a few weeks away. Also, Evan Johnson was spectating as uh, Logan Bandy has been in at guard for him. So some shuffling happened. I think a big uh, absence will probably be Colin Kelly and also Jaden Dahlke. I know Jackson Ford came in, performed admirably. But, you know, I think the Bombers are probably going to game plan for, for that change in the Rough Rider secondary. Now, if I look at the Bombers, last week, I think Nick Marshall was working on Kenny the King Lawler for most of the game. And uh, it was an interesting one. On the Drew Wallatarski touchdown, they talked to Nick Marshall after the game, and he was closest to the touchdown, but it wasn't his responsibility. And he didn't want to throw his teammates under the bus, but it was basically said some rookies blew up that play. He's going to have another tough assignment in Kenny the King. I think we've seen a big step from Nick Marshall this year, uh, not taking those bad penalties. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some touchdowns have been given up, but he makes up with it with some INTs. We also know that the Bombers have other uh, weapons that they can employ this week. They have the leading rusher in the CFL. And I feel that Brady Oliveira is going to be running like a madman in the banjo bowl. And you know, and I've seen it and we've seen it time and time again, when (laughs) the the Oliveira gets locked up, the bomber O-line starts pushing and pushing and that crowd erupts. It's going to be tough for the riders to recover from if they end up on their heels in this one. I did read a, a uh, lovely story on the bomber offensive line in the Winnipeg Free Press. And it was basically all about the lifestyle of an offensive lineman and what they're eating. And I just loved it. There are guys like Jamarcus Hardrick who actually has to slow down on his eating to stay at playing weight. And then there are other guys that need to eat more and more than they're comfortable with to stay at that offensive lineman play weight. I love this story about uh, Tamoyo Machino, uh, the 26-year-old global 
offensive lineman from Japan. Pat Newfeld said, man, this guy was skinny when he was in Japan, but for an entire year, he ate five pounds of rice to put on weight every single day. <laughs> Can That's you imagine rice. that? No. And I love rice. Almost, there's no way I could eat. 2,000 pounds of rice a year. Wow. <laughs> hey, we, we've got the offensive line body type, but I, I don't think we're blessed with the – maybe, hey, I don't want to speak for you. I'm not blessed with the same sort of quick feet and uh, loose hips and uh, athleticism that an offensive lineman needs. So, uh, yeah, these guys can eat like that and still – still perform to the best of their abilities. I, if you get a chance, check out that story on uh, that offensive line. I also think about a guy like Dalton Schoen, who seemed to be able to find some open spaces in the Rough Rider defense last week, and he had a, he had a drop as well. I don't know if, though, I don't know if the Riders can rely on him dropping passes uh, Saturday at IG Field. No, and it, it's different playing at home versus away when you when you're a receiver and you're you get to you don't have the crowd noise to bug you. Like I know a lot of people think the crowd noise is just for the like the O line and the quarterbacks, but it's for the receivers. It's hearing the play calls, yeah. it's everything. So, um you can't you can't look for that to happen. Uh there's a reason why I have a couple bomber receivers in my fantasy this week because I anticipate Mr. Caleros having lots of yards and lots of touchdowns. Uh, Hopefully he just throws from the two that I pick. <laughs> you got number 10 in your lineup? Of course. He's playing the Riders. Nick Dembski. Nick Dembski. I, I, yeah. I want to see, is there a path for a Rider receiver to have a big game here? I, I think so. You see, like, obviously Jake and Emilis have a – have a rapport that they've built in these two games. Like they were, you know, this close to getting that huge play right off the beginning there. And uh, so I look for that. Um, we're still kind of waiting. Like Sean Bain Jr. has been like bringing his lunchbox and getting yards, but I think we're all still waiting for that like breakout, breakout game. Yeah. And it would be smart for them to use him in sweeps and misdirections so I hope that they kind of start doing that. And if you can just get crossing routes up the field and gain a lot of yards, like anything's possible. I think Jake has shown he has a good arm. He was not very consistent with his accuracy in the first half of the Labor Day Classic, but I think he, he got a little better as the game went on. Um, but this is also going to be Jake's first test in a hostile environment as a starting quarterback because he he may have done well against two of the three best teams in the league in these past two games, but he hasn't played an IGF field and, uh, at work. I can hear when they're practicing and I hear that crowd noise that they're playing. So oh, wow. they're, they're getting wow. ready, uh, but it, it, it's a different thing when you're there. Uh, hats off to them. They built an incredible stadium to make it loud. I still say the rider fans are louder than bomber fans, but the stadium is definitely way louder. Yeah, it is a louder stadium. And, uh, Look, the Riders got to be creative with that running game, too. They're pretty vanilla, at least I thought. And uh, on yeah. Labor Day, the running game almost became those short passes to the sideline. But, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the Bombers are going to be ready for that on Saturday. They're, they're going to need to change that up uh, when, when the Banjo Bowl does roll around. Uh, if we look at the Bombers otherwise, they do seem like they're, they're doing all right health-wise. Uh, the Riders dealing with uh, a few more issues uh, this week going into this rematch. And uh, how about Edmonton? Two-point favorites in the Labor Day replay against the Calgary Stampeders. Over under at 49 here. Now, Edmonton has a losing skid that they want to address here. They've won uh, at home now. They've ended uh, the 0-9 to start the season. But now they've lost five straight to the Calgary Stampeders after the loss on Labor Day. Look, it's not 
nine in a row. It's not 22 in a row. <laughs> but they want to beat their provincial rivals. That's for sure. If we talk about game plans and changing it up for the rematch, what do the Stamps need to do to limit number two and his rushing attack? 135 yards on Labor Day. They can't afford that to happen again. No, they need to spy him, and they need to spy him all day long, but they need to be smart and not just making it Cam Judge the entire time because he was getting really tired. Uh, so if they can, you know, switch it off between, you know, just go series by series, somebody else spying, because it, I think it was effective when he wasn't <laughs> tired or Running like that one drive killed him. You could see him just huffing and puffing, <laughs> like when they're down by the the red zone there. But um, that's that's the only way. You have to have the 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 linebacker who's mimicking his movements, and then you hope to just limit it to like you know seven or eight yards instead of forty or fifty. Like he he had a couple of those. And the Elks need to beat Calgary w- w- through the air. That- yep. They, they need to get it into Geno's hands. They, they can't rely on Trey running all the time, and it's exciting, and I love to watch it. But from all the injuries we've seen this year, I'm holding my breath every time. He's a strong yeah. kid. He's a young kid, and uh, he looks like he's not taking massive hits because he's pretty no. tough to square up, but I hold my breath every time he's running all over the field. Get it into Geno's hands. That has to be a key for Edmonton. It does. And, like, if, if Jarius Jackson was smart, he'd be having his receivers just watching film on what the Bombers do when Zach is in in trouble because they know how to get to the open side of the field. Like, that's – you you want to game plan and, and watch film against the team you're playing, but I, I honestly think that that would do them a lot, or a lot of good because – yeah, if Gino can get open, he's he's catching nine out of ten balls, and you're going to get first downs. And it's just, I see so much potential there, especially with Ford running around and Calgary's yeah. defense going crazy and not knowing what to expect. But they've, at least last game, they they were able to limit limit that because there was only a few times where he actually was able to hit somebody wide open when he was scrambling. Yeah, you're right. Like, they always rally to Zach. And when he is just running all over the place, he's able to find an open receiver. There was one play I noticed on Labor Day where Trey is doing his magic, running everywhere, and Dylan Mitchell ran out of bounds. And it looked like Trey wanted to throw to him, but he couldn't (laughs) because he had already stepped out of bounds. So the receivers – and it's, it's probably a challenge. Like, oh, there, yeah. there are also some of those plays. I am absolutely shocked that the Elks didn't take an illegal block or a uh, or a holding. Like, there yeah. are a lot of times when <laughs> they lose track of the quarterback and they take holding penalties. But for some reason, the, the Elks are able to stay clean on that part of the game. But they were taking a lot of penalties in other parts of the game, too. So, uh, yeah. This is, I think, the first home game in a while where Edmonton are favored. It's only two points, but they're favored. It's a long while, yeah. Yeah. Well, usually they give you three points for a home team, right? So, yeah, maybe they're not technically favored, but because they're playing at home. But, um, no, like, I... I think she should be favored because it's we've always seen it. It's tough to sweep back to backs, home and homes. I know Calgary's done it past couple of years, but um, it's always tough. And especially if you're that team that lost the first game, oh, in in the other team stadium, you you have that extra fire, and you know that you're going to have the crowd behind you. So I think you come out a little bit more on your feet and ready to go. So. I hope that Edmonton can pull it off. It's the best case scenario for the Riders if they split. So, um, but we just need to see consistency in the receiving receiving corps and getting the ball. So. 
but I did pick Trey Ford and I picked Gino. So I like it. I like I'm it. That's gonna happen. I I I see what the Elks did early in the game, and they're able to get to Jake Mayer, and they're able to pressure him early in the game. But then that all changed in the, in the second half, and and I don't know if that's a you know they'll call it the prevent the win defense, but uh, Jones was throwing blitzers all over the place, and uh, Jake now has these veteran receivers that aren't strangers to the red and white in uh, Mark and Michelle, Reggie Bagleton, and uh, Markeith Ambles. At the beginning of the year, they had quite the young receiving core. And Luther Hakanavani was another guy that's, he's kind of unheralded, but a big, big Canadian, talented guy. And now he's got support from the vets there. And they aren't dropping the ball. At least they did against Ed, didn't against Edmonton. So, the Stamps have a lot to build off of from that fourth quarter. And I don't know if they can carry that momentum into Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday evening. But they are also dealing with some injuries themselves. Uh, defensive back Michael Griffin has in practice the knee injury. Uh, Titus Wall left the game with a shoulder injury. And that will be a big absence if he's not able to play, and it, it might be a long-term injury for uh, the Stampeders. Receiver Cole Tucker hasn't practiced, but they, they do seem to have some depth there. Nick Taylor, uh, who we've seen in the defense of uh, the Bombers in the past, uh, he he is practicing. He was a healthy scratch, actually. Trey Odom's Dukes, the receiver, was a healthy scratch as well. But Dedrick Mills limited in practice, the running back, as well with the Stampeders, who seem to take over for Kadeem Carey every few series and also in the red zone. So if he's not going to be playing running back, that might be a big absence for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, A.C. Leonard for the Elks, not practicing uh, as of Wednesday. Still got some time to get going for Saturday as well. But David Foucault, the offensive lineman, limited in practice. And uh, Luchez Purifoy. Limited in practice as well. I think some thought that it might be a worst-case scenario for him, but you've seen him play in Saskatchewan. We've seen him in BC. If he's able to get back on the field sooner rather than later, good news for that Elks defense. Oh, yeah. He's he's a game-changer. He can He's he's awesome in the backfield, and he's he's a really good returner too. So um, he's, he's the one guy that I really didn't want to lose uh, out of the secondary. Um, but yeah, if he, if he's even close to being ready, he'll be though. He'll be playing. If that's that Pennywise mask on for the entrance. <laughs> Do you like clowns? Or are you scared of clowns? I, I'm not scared of clowns. Tammy petrified of clowns. Really? So, oh, if I if I even send her like a clown gif or like a meme, <laughs> yeah. So Is I it do because it anyway. we grew up with Doink? Well, I know Doink had a heel run too, but... <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, also, when I was a kid, I didn't watch horror movies because I was a wussy. Yeah, so I avoid I never... them at all costs. <laughs> oh, I love them now. Oh, now that I became... I was at my friend's house when we were like eight or nine, and the babysitter let us... Or she wanted to watch Exorcist, and she thought... It was cool for us to watch it. And that scarred me. Yeah, it scarred me for quite a while. <laughs> to the point where to the point where then I tried like I was too afraid to watch Urban Legends. And that's like one of those stupid flasher <laughs> ones that you just laugh at. But it Wow. It took me a long time until I could get over that, but now I love All right. I I'm gonna go over my fantasy lineup here. I feel like it is quite unorthodox. I don't know how I feel, but I'm in the Champions League. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in for some of the big money starting week 18. And by the way, if you finish first in CFL Fantasy this week on the whole site, I was eighth. I lost by five points. Man, that Crazy. hurt. But I got Dustin Crum, Brady Oliveira, Kadeem Carey, Tim White, Justin Hardy, Dalton Schoen, and the Elks defense. I don't know how I feel about the Elks defense. I don't know how I feel about my entire lineup, so I might change a lot of it. But uh, what's yeah. yours looking like? 
Well, I have Trey Ford. I have AJ Oled, of course, because I have to have him. I have Kitty and Carey, Nick Dembski, Kenny the King Lawler, and Eugene Ooh. Lewis, and the Elks defense as well. All right. In the CFL Podcast Fantasy League, I've got Ben Grant from the X's and Argos podcast. Best of luck to him in Pick'em this week. I'm rolling with Ottawa, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. You? Yeah, same. Uh, I I was thinking about picking Hamilton, but I just I just don't think I could. I if I if there is an upset, I think it might be Hamilton. Just to, but no, no, they no, that's terrible. No, yeah, same as you. We're good. If I switch a pick, it might be to Montreal just because I like to live dangerously. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I, just like the Miz, I've got a, nah, never mind. <laughs> you know where just I'm like going with that if you're a wrestling yeah. fan. <laughs> did, did, you, did you watch Raw last night yet? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, then I can't tell you. <laughs> you can rate, well, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can like and uh, leave a comment on YouTube as well and support the show on Patreon. It helps us cover all the costs that go with making a mediocre show like this. Enjoy week 14. Two and Out, we'll talk to you next week to go over what happened. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.